morning has broken and we are joined together, called here by the God who created us and made us and calls us his own. So we begin this morning with all hail the power of Jesus' name. The words are printed in the bulletin. It's hymn number 97. Church, let us stand and hail him, Lord of all. Christ be with you. And also with you. Let's turn and greet one another. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, especially those of you who are visiting with us this morning. We're so glad that you're here. And on each one of the pews near the center aisle, there is a friendship pad. We'd love to have you take it and fill it out and let us know that you're with us today and pass it down the row so that other people can sign it too. The announcements are in the bulletin. We are celebrating our 100th year this year. And there are many things going on throughout the year. This morning, one of the things that we're celebrating is we're celebrating 100 years of marriages here. So because of that, there are lots of special things happening this morning. Later in the service, we'll recognize couples who were married here. Also, there are things, other things that, whether you are married here or not, you might want to participate in. The bride's room is going to be open so people can see it. It's quite different than when many of people were married here years ago. And also, since our sanctuary has been refurbished within the last decade, we thought that some of you who never saw that process happen might like a docent tour. So right after this service, Peg Donner is going to be leading a short tour to show you what the renovations have been, whether you're new here or whether you were married here years ago and want to see why we don't have a baby blue wall back here anymore. That would, uh, we would invite you to be part of that. Also out on the patio, we have some of our 100th anniversary swag. There are shirts and hats, and we have some wonderful art, some reproductions of the art of Anna Hills, one of our founding members who was an artist in the community. So all of those will be available on the patio today. And if you were married here, Rick Lang would be delighted to take your picture out in the Rose Garden after this service today. Right, Rick? Yes. 
there, there is a reception after second service, so you could go out for breakfast and come back if you, um, if you are planning on being here all morning. Also, you can see that this is our last Sunday for Summer Choir, choir and Bell Choir. We want to thank you very much for a wonderful season. Our summer choir begins next week, and you can be part of it by just coming at 8 o'clock on Sunday morning for the rehearsal. You do not need to come midweek for a rehearsal, just 8 o'clock on Sunday. It really is possible. Linda can make you sound good in that, like 20 minutes. It's amazing. Just come and experience a miracle. You'll sound good. Uh, also today, their anthem, you'll notice that the insert is in your bulletin because there's a part for you to sing along, so you get to test yourself out as part of the choir this morning. Um, also, we have our summer book group is reading A Gentleman in Moscow. Those books are available on the patio today by the shirts and the hats for the anniversary. Uh, our big, our uh, biggest celebration of the year will be at the Hotel Laguna in September. We have only a few tickets left for that dinner. So if you have not bought yours and you think you're going, you're not, unless you buy it today. <laughs> so. Good plan to run right out there, either go home and do it on the internet, or Mike and Debbie Regal will be in Tankersley Hall to help you do that online today. They have a, way, a computer there to help you with that. Our children need a few things more for their vacation Bible school, and they have some donation cards that are out there asking you to be part of that. Uh, also, the flowers this morning are to celebrate Dick and Carol Maxwell's 58th anniversary. Congratulations. There's Carol. Wonderful. And also today, we are, they're not here yet, but we are marking the 60th anniversary for Bill and Tally Parish. They'll be here next service. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Lord, uh, you are the God of covenant love. You invite us into this place this morning to worship you. You've called us into right relationship with you and us with one another. You've joined us together in the family of Christ, the covenant community in which we are brothers and sisters. Some of us you've called into marriage, and we celebrate that. You are the God of all relationships, and you seek to heal this world and to heal the human spirit, to reconcile us to you and one another. We pray this morning that we will truly celebrate the gift of your love the truth of your life, the power of your resurrection, and the presence of your Holy Spirit in our lives. We ask in your name. Amen.
Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank, I thank you, you that you have, have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This, this is, is the Lord's, Lord's doing. It, it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us stand together. Oh, yeah. 
trembles at his voice and trembles at his voice I pray is our
The psalmist calls us to confession with words about God's great love. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Trusting in God's great love and mercy, we come to him and confess to him the ways in which we fall short of his love and of all that he calls us to be and to do. Let us pray together. Almighty God, you love us, but we have not loved you. You call, but we have not listened. You walk away from neighbors in need, wrapped in our own concerns. We condone evil, prejudice, warfare, and greed. God of grace, help us to admit our sin, so that as you come to us in mercy, we may repent, turn to you, and receive forgiveness through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. And so we bring to God the silent confessions of our hearts. For we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. My friends, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Amen. Do you have any idea how many people have been married in and through Laguna Presbyterian Church over 100 years? I don't know uh, the number. I do know, I think, I've estimated in my own pastoral experience here that between four and 500 couples I have married. And um, you add that, the marriages that our associates and others have done here, this has been a drawing place for people from everywhere. In mentioning marriage and weddings, very much aware that it stirs the memory of great joy, of celebration, also of great pain, of disappointment, of struggle. 
not only to define what marriage is, but to remember all the things that have happened to us over a lifetime in relationship with one another as husband and wife. And so we thought it would be a wonderful thing to do this morning to invite all those <clears throat> who have been married either in this sanctuary or uh, by one of the pastors of this church to come this morning on this hundredth year of celebration and, and to remember the weddings that we have done that are central to our theology and to the worship of God. Our instructions about marriage are contained in, in our uh, directory for worship. A marriage service in this church is the worship of God in which technically a brother and sister in Christ come together to unite their life, to do the work of the Lord, to build family, to build community. So we are grateful for all of that. Now, how many have been married over 50 years that are here this morning? We got quite a few. This, this, look at these hands, folks. How many have been married over 60 years? All right, the truth, Jack. There you go. Well, and we're all we're scattered amongst them. Um, we were not married in this church, but this year, this 100th anniversary year, is our 50th wedding anniversary also in September. So we are <laughs> grateful for that. And we had the privilege of being a husband and wife, father and mother, and I especially to sit with my wife on the front row when our son Jeff and his wife Rachel were married here in the church by Craig Williams, our former associate. So how many have been married in this church by one of the pastors of this church? A whole bunch of us, but... Well, welcome today. And uh, we're glad that you're here.
I've got about three or four different sermons in me this morning, and uh, I'm not trying not to preach them all, but um, I want to do some segueing between texts as we um, look at uh, Acts chapter 3 and 4, but read this morning from chapter 4. It's all part of one story of Peter and John going up into the temple in Jerusalem and in the name of Jesus Christ reaching out and touching a man who was born lame and healing him by the power of the name of Jesus. It's one of the powerful, beautiful stories. And uh, listen to the text now in Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came to them, much annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming that in Jesus there is the resurrection of the dead. So they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day. For it was already evening, but many of those who heard the word believed. And they numbered about 5,000. The next day their rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. When they had made the when they had uh, made the pris when they had made the prisoners stand in their midst, they inquired, "By what power or by what name did you do this?" And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, "Rulers of the people and elders, if we are questioned today because of a good deed done to someone who was sick." And they're asked how this man has been healed. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. It has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and ordinary men, they were amazed and recognized them as companions of Jesus. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be God. to God. Let us pray. Lord God, we turn our hearts to you. We are so grateful for the boldness that you gave to Peter and John on that day in Jerusalem in the temple at the beautiful gate, and reaching down and lifting up a man born lame. And through your power, raising him up to rejoice and celebrate in your presence. We thank you for the salvation story that is in Scripture, Old and New Testament. That it is one story of the mighty acts of God. 
So Lord, help us to understand this morning as we consider our own lives and our own worship and the many different ways you have touched our lives. We pray in your name. Amen. The Peter that we see in the Gospels is a different Peter than what we see in the Acts of the Apostles. Same person to be sure, but something has happened to him. In the Gospels, Peter is a brash, ambivalent, undependable, unfaithful, at times brilliant recipient of revelation. A man chosen by Jesus to be the leader of the twelve and, as he said, to be the rock upon which he will build his church against which the gates of hell will not prevail. Peter, in the Gospels, could not carry the burden of that calling. And he ended up betraying Jesus. And there was a deep sadness in his life because of that, a deep grief. Along the way, he was restored. He was forgiven. He listened anew to what Jesus was saying, of how Jesus was interpreting the story, the grand story, the big story of God's salvation in and through his people Israel and in and through the church. And on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the disciples, Peter's life was touched. And that lifelong process of transformation began. And it was that experience of the almighty power of God in his own life that gave him the courage and the boldness to stand in humility before his people and to proclaim the truth of God's salvation in and through the history of his people. And especially in the fulfillment of that story in the life the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And so Peter witnessed boldly. What was the source of this boldness? I think Peter, in a new way, through the illumination of the Holy Spirit, had owned his people's story. He had owned Israel's story, which was God's story. In the message that he gives in Acts chapter 3, before the multitudes who gathered, when they saw the lame men healed, he interpreted this act as the mighty act of the God of Abraham, Isaac, of Jacob, of Moses, of all the prophets. Same story, what was happening in that story in the Old Testament was what was now happening in and through the proclamation of the, of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the presentation of Jesus as the only source of salvation and way to God out of all the names of the saviors of the world. You know something? Stories define us. 
They give us our identity. We have a story here. Community Presbyterian Church, Laguna Presbyterian Church, over a hundred years. We've been seeking to tell that story. And it's a wonderful story with many different people and families and marriages and births and deaths and baptisms and all the events that happen in the larger family. We are a family. And I hope you feel that through this year especially. Brothers and sisters in Christ who have been claimed by the good news of God's salvation story. But our story is simply a part of the bigger story of what God has been doing from the very beginning of creation. And that story of Adam and Eve in the garden and the story of Adam without Eve who was lonely, who did not have a helper that was fit for him. And so God looked with compassion upon Adam, whose name means ground, and caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and took one of his ribs, fashioned that rib into a woman whom Adam named Eve, and the Lord brought her to Adam as the first and the greatest gift he could give to relieve Adam's loneliness. He gave him a helper, someone to work the garden with him, someone with whom to be in right relationship. And all of that, I think, is, is a part of what it means to be created in the image of God. To walk together in fellowship, in relationship, not only with one another, but with the Creator, and to be at peace. It is a beautiful story. We know what happened in chapter 3 of Genesis as a part of that story. That first couple fell away from God and from one another. They lost the tree of life, they lived east of Eden, and the human family became defiled. And God could have given up on the experiment right there. But no, God had a strategy, a purpose, and a plan. He began to talk to a man out in Ur of the Chaldees in what would be modern Iraq, down near the Persian Gulf, he began to talk to a man named Abram who had a wife named Sarah and to make promises to them. He told them to go into a new place, into a new land where God would bless them and multiply them and through them bless all the nations of the earth. If you look at that marriage, it wasn't a perfect marriage. Abraham and Sarah had their problems. I think Sarah finally had to laugh at the old man as he kept thinking that he was going to have a child with her. And there were times when he tried to pawn her off as his sister in order to save his own skin. 
And yet they hung in there together and finally the child Isaac was born and Isaac and Rebekah, they had their own problems. Parental favoritism, sibling rivalry, brokenness in the family. Jacob came along, Jacob and Esau, the twins. Jacob, the deceiver. Jacob, the one who stole his brother's birthright. Who got his father's final blessing by lying to the father. I just mentioned some of these events in this story to remind you that this human story, the story of the human family, our story is filled with all kinds of reasons to rejoice and to be deeply sad at the human condition. We're part of this story, aren't we? The struggle to know God, the struggle to know ourselves, to know one another. I hope that the people that I marry here in this church have been advised up front that they are signing up for a long journey. It may be difficult at times, celebratory at other times. And I tell every couple that I marry that a good marriage lives by the forgiveness of sins and the constant renewal of the covenant. If it's true for a marriage, it's true for a congregation as well because we're a part of that family of Abraham and Sarah. It's part of the great story, the big story that reaches back to the beginning and which will ultimately come to fulfillment in the new heavens and the new earth. I don't know whether Peter had ever claimed that story of his people or not, but somewhere along the way in the power of the Holy Spirit, he came to understand that Israel's story was his story. And it was that awareness that this story of salvation was claiming him, and he was filled with such boldness that he could do nothing but proclaim the good news of the mighty acts of God. The God who reached down and healed the man's feet and caused him to walk again was blessed because it was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that whole history of the people of God that reached into his life through Peter. And that story came to life. And you might ask yourself, what is the story, not just of this church, but of God's story? And how are we participating in God's story? Has that story ever claimed us? And given to us a boldness to risk, to love, to reach out beyond ourselves, to see and to accept one another in the way that we have been seen and known and accepted and forgiven. It's the only possibility of life. Peter's boldness was deeply rooted in that story. That's where I want my own particular story story of my little family, of my little church, of a husband and wife duking it out for nearly 50 years. (laughs) 
and still managing to be together until the awareness that we have that one day one of us will place the other in the arms of the living God in a deep surrender. Been living through that this weekend with Rick and his family. It's been so heart-touching. As a reminder of the joys and the pain of human existence, thank God for the big story. That all those that we have lost in one way or another are held in the arms of God's love from which nothing can separate us. Peter made this powerful affirmation that is one of the most troubling texts in the New Testament. In Acts 4.12 where he said, there is no other name under heaven among mortals by which humans must be saved. No other way. That became the passion of the church. Sometimes it sounds exclusive. And it can be misused. But it was profoundly true for Peter and for the early church. It, it defined the church and it gave the church a boldness to proclaim of a desire to share the knowledge of God revealed in Jesus in his life and his death and his resurrection. God made atonement made peace, reconciled humanity. And the burden, the mission of the church has been to share that good news to the ends of the earth. Peter had been claimed by that story. It's a story that's hard. It's a witness that's difficult to get inside of in a world that has so many saviors, so many philosophies, so many worldviews. And who wants to be arrogant or self-serving or to proclaim that our way is the only way if humanity is going to live together we have to learn to listen to one another even like a good marriage to listen and to empathize and to have compassion for one another marriages only work if that spirit is within us that opens our ears and our eyes. Some of us have failed in marriage and we've learned some very difficult lessons. I hope you feel this morning that you can bring all of that into the worship of God and be in such a dynamic relationship with Christ and us through Christ that you can explore and grow and deepen and move forward with a future that is always being given to you by the power of Jesus Christ, the only Savior and Lord who can sustain life and can heal not just our lame feet, but our broken hearts. And give us hope so that we can live and make contributions and bless others 
arrive at a ripe old age and having accumulated some wisdom share it with those we love in the name of Jesus that's what Peter wanted to proclaim with boldness to a world that is lost that is divorcing, that is disillusioned, that is living in despair, that is deeply broken, that does not know how to live together, either in marriage or in family or in church or in culture in this polarized, divided world. This is the only hope of the world, my friends. If the gospel of Jesus Christ, with all of its particularity, is proclaimed and lived and allowed to touch lives that are in desperate need. So as we remember all those who have been married here, remember that this church symbolizes a bright light of hope, the power of love, the power of healing, because it's deeply anchored in the reality of who God is. God is love a love that will not let us go and in which we journey from the moment of our birth to that day in which we enter into the fullness of his kingdom please stand with me and let's affirm our faith Words from the Apostle Paul in Colossians 1. We read responsively. Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. Amen. Let us be seated and present our morning offering. Oh,
were here before the world began Above all kingdoms, above all thrones Above all wonders the world has ever known Above all wealth and treasures of the earth There's no way to measure what you're worth Crucified, laid behind the stone You lived to die, rejected Above all nature and all created things, above all wisdom and all the ways of man, you were here before the world began. Above all kingdoms, above all thrones, above all Lord Christ, 
name above all names. We give you thanks that your story has claimed us and that you are the one to whom we belong in every season of life. On this day when we celebrate 100 years of marriages in this church, we pray for each couple and each family. We thank you that by your steadfast love you've walked with them and with each of us in joy and in sorrow, in sickness and in health in plenty and in want. We ask that you will continue to surround them with your grace in the joys and struggles of life. Help all of us, O oh God, to do your will in each of our homes. Enrich us with your grace so that supporting one another we may serve those in need through Jesus our Lord. Mighty God, it is to you that we lift our anxious thoughts for the world and for ourselves. We pray for the powerful of our world, whose decisions have great influence. Give them wisdom and allow them to resist any temptation to abuse their power. We pray for the small and weak of the world, for all who struggle with life, who need your healing touch, for the lonely, for those who have lost someone so close to them that they're almost dying with grief. For victims of abuse and violence. For refugees. Lord Christ, we look in expectant hope to the day of your great glory and wait with eager breath to join with all creation in your praise. And so we bring you these gifts, asking that you will use them for your purposes in this world. And so we pray as you have taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Crown him the Lord of Lords. Crown him the Lord of Lords.
we are servants of the incarnate God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the church, the God of Peter and Paul and John. We are servants of the one who was raised from the dead and who is alive through the power of his spirit in our hearts. May his spirit grow the power of love, of faith and hope within us to the glory of God and the building of humanity. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.